Welcome to Planet Geo, the podcast where we talk about our amazing planet, how it works, and why it matters to you. Dr. Remink, how you doing? You again, huh? <laughs> how often do you get called Remink? Uh, not very much, but my wife does in the hospital. She gets called does all she? sorts of things she- in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to know the backstory of that. But, no, no, just um, like Rymink, Remink, Reminink. <laughs> Reminink, all right, and that's she, a good one. Uh, yeah, she gets, there's all sorts of different pronunciations for my name, but yours too, probably. Balhuis. Oh, yeah. In fact, Balhuis. I was just talking to our little friend Handy Andy just a couple hours ago, and he called me, and I didn't pick up because I was in a meeting, and then I called him right back after the meeting and he, he's like, he's laughing right when he picks up and I'm like, what, what is this going on? What are you laughing at? He said, every time I have my headset on and you call, I always get this call from Chris Bullhuis. And he just thinks <laughs> that's just, funny every single time. I think it's funny too. <laughs> Whenever I use Siri, I have to say, yeah, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Every time I use Siri, I have to say Chris Bullhuis because Siri, <laughs> that's how Siri knows your name. If I say Chris Bullhuis, then... I sometimes get different Chris's that are in my phone book, but <laughs> come on, oh, you don't have any other Chris's in your phone book. No way. I do. I, no. I uh, shockingly, to... I know more Chris's yeah. than just the one, but not as many that I like as much as you, Chris, or not as many that I spend as much time with either. So uh, that is true. Yeah. We do spend a lot of time together. It's true. And I ain't sick of you yet. I'm not going to say the same because I am actually quite sick of you. <laughs> Serious. You just keep me around, huh? I do. I don't know why. I Sometimes I wake <laughs> up at night and I wonder, what am I doing? Why am what I doing you, this? You turn to Jenny and say, why do I keep talking to this guy all the time? She said, and what she are you says, dreaming about? I said, I'm dreaming about Jesse. It's like, it's oh, it's really <laughs> frustrating. That's right. <laughs> well, Chris, to. what do we got today? We are going to talk about soil creep today. And you know, to be fair, we've talked a, a little bit about this, I think, a, a quite a while ago, but we're going to devote an entire episode to this kind of mass wasting movement. We'll talk about what that is, because that's kind of a funny term in and of itself. I have a question for you, Chris. Is mass wasting your favorite section to teach in your class? It's really interesting that you ask that. Why do you ask that? I ask it because, okay. It's it's a it's cool like all geology is cool or all geoscience is cool. It's not my favorite topic and I find I kind of think you're weirdly you are above average interested in mass wasting, I think. Why do you think this? Seriously. I don't know. I don't know. I but cuz you you I think maybe is it just you like the term mass wasting? Is that what's uh, no, but no? I do like the term, but because it <laughs> it's adds confusion. Like the the kids yeah, are like yeah, yeah. you know, I assign actually <laughs> I do this section a little differently than most of the other sections I teach. I actually assign a chapter reading for them to, so they read it and they take notes on it and then I give them a test on it. Okay. And and when they, after they take the test, then I spend, you know, whether it's a day or two days, I need to talk about mass wasting with them. And the reason I do it that way is because I just have to, I have so much material that I have to get through to get them ready for the exam at the end of the year from Dr. Maddox, you know? So I just, I do it this way. It allows me to cover mass wasting because they're already familiar with it. But every time I assign it, they look at me 
and they, they're questioning and I'm like, what, what's going on? And I always forget. And they're like, what is this mass wasting thing that you speak of? You know, like, what yeah. is this? What the heck does that term mean? <laughs> it is one of my favorite things to teach though. And I didn't know that you knew that about me. Oh, okay. No, I, I didn't know that. I just have kind of, uh, it was a guess. It was a random guess, but okay. I have two questions for you and I want you to answer them in order. First of all, define mass wasting. Can you do that for us? And then second of all, tell me why it's your favorite. Why do you like teaching it so much? First define it because I think you know, the listener, our listener <laughs> probably, is uh, what thinking, the heck are they what talking the about? heck are we talking about this episode? So let's get that out front. Mass wasting is the movement of material downslope. And it's always governed by gravity, of course. So weathering happens first, then mass wasting happens, and then erosion happens, right? It, it'll be removed in a, in a different sort of way. So mass wasting can be, you know, rock falls, soil creep, which we're going to talk about today, you know, landslides, uh, what other ones? We can have solar fluxion. We talked about solar fluxion earlier um, when we kind of briefly touched on soil creep. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be kind of mass wasting, movement of mass down slope, usually at a, a decent clip, except for soil creep. So why are you, why so excited to teach it, Chris? Because mass wasting and humanity have a really interesting intersection where we put roads. I, I think about this when I drive through the Smoky Mountains. You have these road cuts that really go in kind of precarious places. It makes me a little bit nervous, actually, when you see this like metamorphic fillite and schist rock that's foliated in the direction of the slope. And you have these signs then that say, watch for falling rock. And then you look up at the cliff, you know, you look at the edge and you see this net kind of holding everything back. And I'm like, oh, good. I was worried until I saw a net. (laughs) Yeah, right. This mountain might (laughs) fall and the net is going to catch it. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Pure sarcasm. But yeah, it's this interesting intersection between like retaining walls, for instance, what happens with retaining walls and the way that they kind of move and lean over time. It has a lot of practical applications. So that's a great reason to do it, Chris. I, I think that's a, that's a great answer to the question of, you know, why are you more interested in this than other chapters maybe, or above <laughs> average interested in teaching mass wasting? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I can't that, really say, I can't really say that it's above, I don't know if that's the right way to put it because everything that I teach, I, I do get excited about. I, I just well, can't. Well, that's true. But I mean, what I mean by above average, you're, you're more excited <laughs> than the average teacher of yeah, earth science probably. classes. you you get more excited about mass wasting than the average person. So that's a, that's a great reason. And let's maybe move into the narrower version. So mass wasting is this big catch all term for a bunch of different processes. One of the processes, the one we're going to talk about today is soil creep. I think Chris, the best way to visualize this is if you've ever walked, I have this vision of walking through the streets of Washington, DC, where the house is built up a little bit above the sidewalk on a hill. And there's a retaining wall, an old retaining wall, like a stone retaining wall from many, many, many decades, if not a century ago. And that retaining wall, the top of it is tilted in. So you kind of have to walk with your shoulders sort of to one (laughs) side. If you're, and if you're passing somebody on the sidewalk and they're on the outside and you're on the inside, it gets a little uncomfortably close because you kind of are being pushed away because the wall is tilted. The top of the wall is tilted out into the sidewalk. That's what I have in my head. 
tilted trees also represent mass wasting. Like when the, when the stump of the tree is kind of tilted down slope, even though the trunk is very straight, right? That's another example of this. What do you picture when you're teaching this very passionately? (laughs) What, what do you, what slide do you show of soil creep? I always show a slide of the dunes along Lake Michigan where these trees are coming out on this really steep slope. And one of the dead giveaways to soil creep and this movement of soil really slowly, almost imperceptibly down slope, you can see the bend along the base of the trunk, almost like right above the root system, it's bending down slope. But then like you just said, the trees straighten back out. So I start with that. And then, you know, and and that's a picture that I took. And then I also show a picture of um, a, a few years ago, I was walking through Harper's Ferry, the cemetery there in um, right along the the triple junction, the states, the three states there. And these old headstones in this cemetery, it's on a hillside. Oh, that's a good one. And the headstones are tilted like at a 45 degree angle. That's you know? a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The headstone tilting. That's a great one to show for sure. So soil creep is the slowest of the mass wasting processes. But it does take place on human timescales, as you said, on tree growing timescales. Like this happens over uh, maybe not in a year, but in decades for sure. You can see this with older buildings. You can see this with older sidewalks. You can see this with older retaining walls or headstones, et cetera, or trees that are, you know, more than a decade old. Even in cracks in a road or a driveway, for instance, you can see this, this kind of uneven movement of the surface and it causes cracks in concrete and asphalt too. So that's a, another one too, that is a nuisance to a lot of people actually. So how, um, how do you explain this? Do you have a great analogy for soil creep or the process of it? I guess, how, how do we get into it? We've kind of described what it is. So everybody's got the visual in their head. What is it? What's going on? What's the amazing geologic process that's, that's sort of driving this? Well, like I said before, it's driven by gravity. But there are three things that really play in to making soil creep a, a big deal. And those things are, first of all, water. Water plays a a big role in this whole thing because it makes the soil less cohesive and it just kind of aids, it lubricates the movement down slope, if you will. And so the steeper the slope, obviously, and the wetter the soil is, the faster the soil is going to creep down slope. So that's one thing, right? But the other thing, and I'm going to throw this back to you because when we talked about this before, you explained it quite well, actually, was the, the role of ice wedging on little tiny particles right at the surface. So what happens with that? Yeah. So the way I think about this is when I kind of thinking of it, like the hillside breathing in and out. And if the hillside breathes in, meaning it gets saturated with water, it's going to expand. And how does it expand? Like think of one particle right on the edge of the hill. Let's say it's this big hill that we can kind of envision the particle right at the peak of the hill it's going to go straight up. When the whole hill expands, that particle is going to go straight up. But a particle on the side of the hill is not going to expand straight up. It's going to expand outwards at like a 45 degree angle, right? And it's expanding because of freezing, right? Or, you know, water, if it gets saturated with water, that water can kind of push the whole hill out just a little bit. Um, So many factors, temperature can do this. It can kind of breathe in and out slightly because of temperature fluctuations, but ice wedging is a big one. So when the hill like breathes in, expands, the particles are going to 
move outwards at like a 90 degree angle to the slope. So if we're looking at this hill, the top one moves straight up, but on the sides, they're moving out to the side. Those particles are moving out to the side. Now, when it relaxes, when it breathes out and the hill relaxes back down, where do those grains go? Well, gravity pulls them straight down. So Chris, we had this great analogy. I think it's kind of similar to longshore current in this way. When a wave hits the shore at an angle, it moves the grain up at an angle, then gravity pulls that grain straight down the beachfront. And so over time, the grains are moving to the left or the right, depending upon which way the waves are hitting the the shore. The same thing is happening here with the hill. When ice wedging kind of makes the hill breathe in and expand, the grains are moving out at an angle. And then when the thaw happens and the hill relaxes, they're moving straight down. So That's they right. go out, it's then a down, zigzag. out, then down. Yeah, the zigzag. It's the it's so a perfect zigzag. I have a picture of this that I show. I was in the Smoky Mountains in February. Jenny and I like to take a midwinter break and go out in the mountains for like three or four days. Famously, you get into big hiking competitions with high schoolers on the trail down there in the wintertime, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, anyway, if the conditions are just right, you get these ice formations. I think they're called ice curls, actually. It's really long, skinny ice crystals that grow out from the ground. Oh, and yeah. They're so I got, cool. Yeah, they are really cool. And I saw at the tip of one of these ice crystals, soil particles. They had oh, been wow. heaved out. So I got down with my phone and I took a really good picture of it all, right? It's, it's really a cool thing. And you can see exactly what's happening. It's exactly what you described. These ice curls shove that those little soil particles perpendicular away from the slope. And then during the day, they'll melt and they'll drop it straight down. And so that little particle just moved, you know, just a couple millimeters down slope, right? And it's like, you, sh- you throw that picture up there and, and it's like, oh my gosh, you can actually see soil creep in actions. That's super such cool a thing. great one. And I think, Chris, one, one last point is that this doesn't happen in flat areas, right? Flat areas, the soil is just breathing up and then down, up and then down, up and then down. On a hill slope, it goes out and then down, out and then down. That's the important point here. And so... What's so okay? Water was the first one. This sort of ice wedging phenomenon was the second one. What's the third one, Chris? It's just simply rain splash, which makes sense. Rain hits a slope and it's going to splash the particles down slope. So, those are the three things that really contribute to soil creep. But look, we're talking about just a few centimeters a year usually. Now, it can be faster than that, but this is we're talking an inch two inches, just a few centimeters on a, a, like a year to year basis. So this is not fast movement, but it's unrelenting. It's a real force to be reckoned with actually. Totally. Totally. And, and I think one important thing here, Chris, is that the edges or the tops of the soil move a lot faster than the interior of it. So that's why we get this sort of tilting. And if you imagine that headstone that you were talking about, that's a great example. You know, maybe, two thirds of the headstone is above ground and one third is down in the ground. And the surface of the soil is moving downslope faster than the interior. So right at the surface is moving downhill faster than an inch down into the soil. And so that's why this thing tilts. It kind of tilts down because you're getting this more rapid movement right near the surface. And as you go into the soil, there's less rapid movement. That's a, I think an important kind of uh, point to make here as we're thinking about this. That's right. And I, I actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but I have a retaining wall, but I didn't do this. 
Uh, okay, I, I bought the house that I live in, but I do have yeah, a retaining right. wall. It's a concrete wall, and it has a gigantic crack running right through the middle of it. It's not structural or anything like that, but it's a result of you know soil creep one hundred percent. You know, so it does that. It it can damage the foundations of buildings, can damage roads and sidewalks, and and obviously retaining walls. And so it it's a it's a thing to be dealt with. It's a it's a force to be reckoned with. So how can we slow it down? You know, how can we kind of mitigate or, or deal with this phenomenon? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, biology comes into play here, but <laughs> biology, vegetation is the great like soil immobilizer. Anytime we don't want soil to move, you can put vegetation on it, especially trees with deeper roots. Those are great at sort of locking soil into place. So that's one kind of relatively simple one. That's not always feasible though, especially when you're like making a retaining wall around a house. You don't want to plant a tree that's going to dig its roots into your foundation right next door, right? So what are some other ways? There's some cool engineering things I think that people have figured out. There's a thing called tough cells and there are different brands of this, but it's basically this honeycomb network that it can be made up of many different materials, but think of like this honeycomb plastic thing that you set on the slope and then put sediment in the honeycomb spaces. All right. Does that make sense? And these honeycombs, so- yeah, these honeycombs are like a couple inches wide. So you think of like a beehive honeycomb, except the cells are a couple inches wide or so. That's kind of the scale of what we're thinking of roundabout, maybe a foot or something like that. But And basically then what it does is it just arrests the downhill movement of, of material because it's all connected to each other because it's in these spaces, it has nowhere to go. And so like, I guess that's one way to, you know, maybe even stop soil creep from happening altogether if you're on a steep slope. Yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a good one, Chris. And there's, there's a few that some people would put reinforcements into a concrete wall like you have, like retaining walls with big rebar running in and put an anchor way back in the hill that is kind of anchoring the, the wall in place. Those are like, structural things that are just trying to make the wall more forceful, but it's not actually stopping that pressure movement. Whereas these tough cells are kind of distributing that downslope movement pressure a bit more and and kind of changing the physics of the hill slope, as opposed to just trying to make your wall stronger, right? There's a kind of two different approaches to the the problem here. So, but it's a difficult one and it's, and it happens over a long time frame. So we might not be thinking, you know, 40 years ahead of when we're building, but we should be. Well, you know, it's hard to stop geology, Jesse. It's very hard hard. to stop geology. (laughs) (laughs) You you need a shirt with that. It's hard to stop geology. (laughs) I, I, you know, that's a really good idea, actually. It's a good Um, one. What was the other shirt we were going to have? We're going to have erosion happens, right? Erosion happens. Is that the one? Erosion happens and it's hard to stop geology. Chris, (laughs) Chris, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to claim the erosion happens one. I think that one is, I think the Grand Canyon came up with that they oh, have it a on a bunch of those shirts erosion happens and it doesn't get any more appropriate than no, that totally shirt not. at the grand canyon so <laughs> it's hard to stop geology that's a good chris bullheisism right there i love it yeah it just love came it. to me just like that that, that is an original done. yeah thank you appreciate that hey chris i think that's a wrap if you want to send us an email we love getting emails we love getting questions listener questions we're always putting together office hours episodes send us an email planetgeocast at gmail.com you can also visit our website 
planetgeocast.com. There you can subscribe. You can support us. A bunch of people have done that recently. We really appreciate that, actually. If you want to learn about all the basics of geoscience, you can head over to Camp Courses. That's geo.campcourses.com. You can learn all about the basics with visuals. I think we've done a, a pretty good job of that. And the interface is newly revised and I think looks a, a lot better than it did initially, Chris. So head over there. Let us know what you think. And as always, leave us a review and a rating. We always appreciate it. Cheers. You can't stop geology. <laughs> True. True. <laughs>